Hi friends, and welcome to Tell Us More, a podcast from Lake Forest Church, Westlake, where we take the time to listen and learn more about the messages we hear each week. I'm your host, Nathan Story. Joining me this week is Nicole Eunice. Hello. Hello. And Aaron Gibson. Hey, friends. Guys, thanks for being here today. Absolutely. I am so excited. Nicole, it's awesome to have you on the podcast. Thank you, Aaron. A little story that you might not know about Aaron and I is we got ordained together. So we started the process and ended the process, which is very unusual to be like on the exact same schedule. So we, yeah, we we went through a little bit of Rebels Without a Cause, but we we are like definitely joined in our like pledge class of being (laughs) pastors together. I feel like there should be a tattoo that we had to have gotten at (laughs) the end of that process or something, you know. Tattooed on our soul. That's that's right. The cast of the Lord of the Rings did after they wrapped the whole 18-month journey of filming all those movies. Everyone, the fellowship, they all have their own tattoos. They all got fellowship tattoos. Who knew? Who knew? You guys need that. We do need that, yes. Uh, so we are in a series right now called God's Stories, and we just heard from Nicole, and I, I, we just did the taping for our Westlake service for this week, and she's preaching at Huntersville, yeah. our Huntersville location, uh, tomorrow. Uh, and so we're going to hear more about the message that we hear from Nicole this week and uh, yeah, dive into that process sure. and what it was like to, to make that yeah. message. Are we game? Are we ready? Let's do it. Okay. Let's do it. Okay. So Nicole, tell us, what was your process for preparing for this week's message? Hmm. Well, I kind of... You know, I, I was thinking about this the other day, and I actually listened to a, on the way to this beach trip that we took, I listened to a Hugh Jackman interview, which was a long form, kind of hour and a half podcast, and he talked a lot about his process, because he started in musical theater before he was like a movie star, and he talked a lot about sort of the, the quiet um, in his way of whenever he's going to be on stage before and after, and I really resonated with that, because I do think that there's something really mystical about teaching um, the Bible. I don't think it's like teaching anything else because what the positioning I'm, I'm wanting to be in is to say, God, what is it that you have for these people and for me in this exact time? Not yeah. something that I learned five years ago, because of course, as pastors, we have a lot, we, we learn a lot about the Bible. We spend a lot of time in the Bible, but because God promises that the Bible is living and active, that to me means that every time, anytime there's some you know, there's an opportunity that I have the invitation to preach. I'm asking the question, God, what is it that you want to say? And that for me, especially for this message, which was on the book of Esther, just looks like reading it a lot. I just read it over and over again. And I try to, I try to create a movie in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like I try to see the story happening and then look for what God is bringing to the forefront as like kind of the main thing. And it's very terrifying because a lot of times I'll have notes prepared and I'll, I'll do the work of understanding the context and what's going on. But a lot of times God doesn't really <laughs> give me that like kind of main thing until pretty close to the message. So, okay. Is that a, is that something that scares you a little bit or, or are you kind of used to it now at this point? You um, preach yeah, for no, so long? it scares me. Yeah. 100%. <laughs> I mean, it's just because it's like, you just, I mean, of course I, I love, I think Beth Moore has always said, like, um, God may speak, like, sometimes people will have this little thing where they're like, I've had this happen to me before where I was teaching, and someone will come up to me totally well-meaning, I really appreciate it, but they will come up to me and they'll put their hand on my arm pre-COVID, put their hand on my arm, and they'll be like, (laughs) remember those days? They'll be like, if the spirit leads, say whatever he brings to mind, and I'm 
like, the spirit is going to lead me to use my notes. Yeah. Yeah. And I've heard Beth Moore say that before. Like, I love that. The spirit may be leading you, but the spirit does not lead me to not prepare. So I always prepare just like a teaching, but I'm waiting for the Lord to be like, what is really happening in this time, in this message for these people? Um, so, yeah, it's pretty terrifying, but. I yeah. always know I've got something on backup. Like, sure. I, like I got something to say, but I, I'm sure. just waiting for the Lord to bring that. that yeah. other thing. Well, it's, it strikes me, Nicole, having listened to your message, which by the way is just awesome. Uh, you're listening deeply to the text really comes through in this message because in fact, somebody on our tech team said it, it's possibly the best message they've ever heard on Esther. And I think what they're getting at was it felt so fresh. Mm. Yeah. Like it felt like I was hearing I knew the story, but mm -hmm. I felt like I was hearing it for the first time, yeah, which think, is a real gift. Thank you. I, I really have this passion to to bring stories of Scripture to life mm -hmm. and to and to bring them into modern day because I just find Scripture unbelievably relevant to every part of the human condition, and it, it just makes me sad that people sad and mad that people don't experience it that way yeah um the stories feel tired or or whatever and i'm like oh my gosh there's so much here it's so amazing so thanks for saying that that's kind of what i'm always hoping to do absolutely yeah so um is there a particular personal story that inspired you perhaps one you didn't get to share in the message yeah when you looked at esther and thought about her and then thought about your life yeah i mean there's a story i was planning to share that i didn't didn't get to but um because the red lights were flashing at me and telling me, be quiet, yeah. it's the end. So, because I was really into this message. But, you can um, ignore those. Aaron does all the time. It's I'm okay. sure Aaron does, but as, a, as your invited guest, I'm probably trying to stick with We it. appreciate that. We appreciate <laughs> so, um, there was this story of this time, because I really wanted to capture this idea, um, because I think it's a, it's a very important part of our relationship with God. That, that I, I think that if you've ever heard this idea, somehow you're going to miss the boat on faith. Hmm. Um, that is a very oppressive way to experience God yeah. because it feels like there must only be one plan and there's one road and there's one decision. And if I miss it, I'm out. And when I'm out, I'm out. And I, I find that very truly oppressive. Then there's this other side, which is, well, God's sovereign. So every, everything's going to happen the way it is. Very fatalistic, kind of like, it doesn't matter what I do, God's sovereign. And the story of Esther is really the interplay of human choice and God's sovereignty mm. that we find when Mordecai says, hey, this is going to happen no matter what. And I remembered being in a worship service where a representative from Compassion International came. If any, if you guys are familiar with Compassion International, it's a, it's a global ministry for, for disadvantaged children um, and vulnerable children. And this guy had been a Compassion International child, and he was now a representative. And he just told this story of a time where he didn't take the invitation. Basically, God was like giving him an opportunity to give or to serve, and he didn't take it. And he said the thing happened. And he remembered being like, I just missed out on the blessing. Like, it wasn't like this was like oh, a yeah. blessing that I was going to be able to be a part of. And it's not like I'm out now, but I missed out personally on the blessing of being part of God's purposes in the world. And that to me really kind of is the modern day example of this Esther story mm. that had really moved me because it, it was that perfect mix of an invitation that is not oppressive, that is not shamed or guilty or whatever, but that God would just continue to invite us into his purposes. 
so re- you know so remarkable i was so struck by that point you you drew it out of the it was it's straight in the passage mm-hmm. there you know i had always heard that for such a time as this but i had missed somehow what you called our attention to before that where Mordecai's like look he god's going to get yeah. done what he wants to get done like, yeah. you don't have to worry about that mm-hmm. but what an what an amazing picture of god's i almost said grace and that's true but his i guess his inclusivity yeah that he actually wants to include us mm-hmm. in his workings. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a remarkable truth if we can somehow let that sink into our hearts in a way that it would guide our normal everyday living. Yeah, and I love that God. I mean, it's so weird. People really struggled to preach this book because God's not mentioned in it. But it's so comforting that God is not mentioned. It's not like she's this special person who gets an angel, yeah. gets a dream. And those are great. Like, believe me, I love those stories in the Bible, too. But it's so approachable to be like, she had a wise mentor. She had Mordecai who was like, hey, this is how it is. But that's all she had. Like, she didn't, she had to decide. She just had to commit. And I think for a lot of us, we need to know God is working in the world and he's very clear about the things that he cares about. So basically, if your life is aligning with something that God cares about, don't wait for the dream. Like, just step in, you know? I mean, march march into that courtroom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was something I hadn't realized about the book in the past either when you mentioned that that God wasn't mentioned in Esther it was so amazing to think about what that means for the story itself yeah. as, as you're saying yeah and the setting so being cool. that they were scattered that they're exiles you know they're not they're not like living in a way that the world sees them as God's chosen people but that doesn't change the truth that they are God's chosen people yeah and um, I think for us in this particular season that we're in when we do feel scattered, when a lot of our comforts have changed or gone away, what is it like to know that God is still working? And he's like, you're, he's silent, but he's not silent. I mean, in, in some ways, that's what I think we see in the story. Um, what would it look like to just maybe increase my faith by one degree that yeah. he's silent, but he's not silent? Like, I can still yeah. step in. Yeah. Well, Nicole, you know, I mean, you know, you've heard this, or I've, I've heard this too. I think we all have, where someone's like, well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of waiting, you know, like we're waiting for a thunderbolt or something, you know, which is so funny. I think I told a story last last week during our recording of our church online service. We actually did have a thunderbolt, but it wasn't at the right <laughs> yeah. time. That was kind yeah. of. Yeah. It was at the right time, though, according to God. Oh, it was. apparently was. There we go. That's why he's always on time. <laughs> and, and, always on time. And there's a lot of power in that thunder. But, uh, you, know, was, you know, people are waiting for that thunderbolt. I'm waiting for God to show me. And, it, and Esther all seems to say, hey. Do the next right thing yeah. right in front of you that you know is right to do. Yep. Yep. What a what a postmodern book. Mm. Mm. Absolutely. Hidden yeah. right there in scripture. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Nicole, I want to ask you now, uh, did you have any other scriptures in mind to possibly illustrate the points mm. of the of I have sermon. one really geeky Bible like thing that I didn't Hit get us to with this, please. I was Hit deep us in, but um, I'm gonna find it in my notes. We okay. love geeky Bible. So, we do. Okay. That's our love okay. language. So <laughs> that and Star Wars. <laughs> here's the crazy thing. Everybody, stick with me for a second. We're about to go Bible, Bible deep. I know okay. it. It's like the really dorky part in Star, we Star Wars. We love it. No, that's that's what this is about. I'm Tell not us more. Listening anymore? Yeah. Um, okay. So this idea that God's always on time. Okay. So there's a couple places in Scripture where He says, like Ecclesiastes eight. He says there's a proper time and procedure for every matter. And then in Ecclesiastes 3, it says God has made everything beautiful in, his, in its time. So here is the crazy thing about the book of Esther. God had told his people, his chosen people, 
that they needed to basically demolish the Amalekites because it's a group of people that were opposed to them for generations. It was fierce. We can't get into all the, but at that time in, in the world, conquest ruled. And the whole idea of like having to wipe out a people group is because even one person remaining would be carrying sort of the blood weight of like enemies going on and on in this kind of culture. So God had empowered the people 500 years earlier to fight the Amalekites, but they had not been obedient. And in this time, in the story of Esther, is when they actually fight the Amalekites. Like the, the, the edict that was given. So the king had already sealed this promise that all the Jews could be annihilated on this certain day. So he couldn't go back on his promise. So when Esther was like pleading for her people, he was like, all right, I'm going to make a new promise. And the new edict is that the Jews can fight back and they can fight any of their enemies and they are protected by the king to fight. And so it wasn't that the, the edict was gone, the one about annihilating. It was, it was really funny, too, because it was like, okay, two days before the Jews are supposed to die, they can fight everyone they want. So they had months to prepare. And so 500 years after God had given the command to fight the Amalekites, the Amalekites are actually wiped out in this story. And that's what's so powerful about the Bible and the details of history. And also, especially, God seems to have a very... Um, like special delight in using people that people don't think yes. are the ones to be yes. used. Absolutely. So the fact that Esther is this like random Jewish girl, and by the way, the king did not even know she was Jewish until she finally pled for his yeah. for people. Yeah. So, and then something that God had already ordained actually came through in this story 500 years later. So that whole idea of the, the moral arc of the universe is long, but yes. skews towards justice. Like yeah. that's kind of, it's, it's, to me, it's very encouraging in the world that we're in right now, in this moment, this divisive, difficult moment moment in our history to realize, no, like God is on time. Like in the midst of what's bad, God can be bringing what he's, his purposes through. And mm. um, we could say a lot more about that, but I'll stop there. Yeah, I, I love that. One of my favorite realizations in scripture that I've had in the past um, uh, was when I was looking I was at a retreat and we were looking at the genealogy of Jesus mm. in Matthew and, and everyone was just making note of how many kind of screw ups there are yes. in that, in that genealogy. And, and I, I had this realization, you know, like, like I said at the time that that's not an accident, yeah. I don't think, and that yeah. God is a God of redemption and that he really wants to continue to tell the same mm. story. And like you say, use people that aren't necessarily yeah. the most obvious choices. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Love that. I yeah, think when we think we're not the obvious choice for something, we should probably pay attention. Uh, yeah. Basically, <laughs> that's my like my last yeah. my last thought on that. Yeah. One. Well, you oh, had cool. that phrase, and I don't have any of your notes in front of me, so I'm just going off my memory of your message. But there was that phrase you said: there are no insignificant people or inconsequential, yeah, like inconsequential, inconsequential, irrelevant, inconsequential like, yeah, or irrelevant. Yeah. And and what a profound message, right? Uh, that because I think a lot of folks that's where they live. Yeah. They live in the place of feeling like, I, I, God. Not just the, oh, God couldn't want, like, a bashful God mm-hmm. couldn't want to use it, but really a deep-seated doubt yeah. that their life matters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, obviously, this story is a dramatic one, but, I mean, what would it look like to wake up in the morning and be like, God has given me influence today yeah. in the world. I am exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yeah. And how we might engage with our coworkers mm. or with our neighbor you know this is, such a, this is such a time of neighbors you know how might I engage if I really was like God has purposely put me here 
to be his agent of reconciliation and grace. I, I'm an extension of that gold scepter. I'm an extension of that grace. I think if we showed up for our life more like that, our life actually might start feeling bigger and bigger, even in a small world, like in our small world, yeah. um, because of that influence. It strikes me, uh, not, not to belabor this point, but I'm, I'm really fascinated on this one. It strikes me, you know, there's such an emphasis placed on fame mm -hmm. and notoriety. Yeah. And, and yet, you know, and I'm seeing this, uh, yeah, I, I see this even in, in well, without getting into it, my own, my own kids navigating their, sure. their young adult, you yeah. know, I, uh, okay, as they're trying to find their identity, find their purpose in this. And, and the sense that this, the gig is almost up on fame, mm -hmm. like, you know, every, yeah. uh, sure, you can, you know, we all know how much money you can make as a YouTube star and great, but, but, the, but the satisfaction yeah. that that used to promise to bring, mm -hmm. nobody really believes that that satisfaction is going to be there anymore. And so even, as you just said, it's almost like the, the idea that God wants to use me right where I'm at in a local way, mm -hmm. but still significant way, yeah. is almost like the remedy to the, why well, I've got to be famous on like some global mm -hmm. scale or something. Yeah, um, I know, and it's such an empty thing and it but it, it because well we could get into social media and all that but like the way that it distracts from what's in front of us is so interesting to me it's very devious um, because I, I think that when you get a taste of significance in your small world you you sort of realize that that's kind of junky <laughs> like yeah, that yeah. variety is it's just so it's it, it doesn't come through in the end it doesn't end up being life-giving um, but we have to find that way to say, yeah, how do I like be present enough yes. to step into my for such a time as this moments in the circle I'm already in. Dang, Nicole, that's so good. That's like straight up Jesus incarnation, <laughs> right? Like just right where yeah. you're at right here, right now in the flesh, the yeah. people right around you in your neighborhood, your community. Oh, that's awesome. Well, and I, I yeah. think that, I mean, one of the reasons I can say that just because I made a side point in the sermon about this like if you need to wrestle with God, then make sure you're wrestling with God about it. That's because that's been my experience. That's been my life. You know, I'm very driven by achieving. I love success. I'm, that's my Enneagram type. I'm just drawn to that. And I've really had to wrestle with God about what significance really means and what it looks like to show up in the life that God's given me. And people are sometimes they're like, oh, but you write books. I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, that's uh, yes, but that's not what's fulfilled. That's that's like a side byproduct. What what I've had to learn and continue to wrestle and will continue to wrestle with God is help me God to be present mm -hmm. and see that this is where life really is. Yeah. This is what's significant. Being a wife and a mom and a mentor and a neighbor mm -hmm. is significant. And I can have fun byproducts that can feel like what the world says are success but they will not satisfy. And I have to wrestle with that. And so I wanna share that because I think sometimes when you don't know what someone or you hear them on the stage or whatever, it's kind of like, oh, the, it must, I'm like, it's not going that great. <laughs> it doesn't go that great yeah. for me. That's why I'm able to hopefully bring a message of hope because it's the, it's the message I need to hear too. Yeah. So you mean writing books doesn't produce eternal bliss? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Surprisingly, it does not. I heard uh, Tony Hale speak one time, he's an actor and uh, he was talking about uh, creative pursuits and in creative pursuits and, and even pursuits somewhat linked to what we do and being on stage and yeah. in front of a lot of people a lot of time um, is so often dependent on other people mm. um, that you're you're so kind of captivated by what's next yeah. the next thing mm -hmm. and for us and in, in ministry world you know we're looking at every seven days right we yeah. have to look forward to the next 
service and in an actor or in a musician they're looking towards their next revenue stream in their right. movie or album or whatever it is and so because you're always continuously looking to that what's next it really zaps you out of being present yeah. and yeah. it's really hard and, and I thought that was really impactful to me to, to think that and hear someone say that mm-hmm. so he he had really taken at the time of the interview he had taken the time to um use that word presence as kind of a mantra mm-hmm. for him and that's really really so important Absolutely. and important for all of us I yeah we just will miss our moments yes we'll miss our for such a time as this moments yeah. and if we're not looking for them and present right. for them right yeah and of course that's not limited to people in arts or entertainment that's all of us mm-hmm. yeah. well, all of as life, you're saying yeah. yeah yeah Nicole, tell me what motivated you to take the tone that you did in the message was there uh, a time in the sermon where you wanted to be more passionate, more (laughs) grace-filled? Was there a time you had to hold back from being more emotive? Yeah, I mean, well, the the time, like what God brought to that story was, of course, the crocodile. I mean, alligator. My family was like making (laughs) fun of me for calling it a crocodile. I'm like, listen, I'm a preacher. I'm not a scientist, all right? But anyway, it was an alligator. Um, So that really was just yesterday. So that I felt like God was like, do you see that when God's people are threatened, we're all threatened. Like no one, like how the interdependency of the church Mm. and in a world that is about being your own star, it is so countercultural to actually believe that we are really called to bear one another's burdens. And God has a special emphasis on the marginalized, on the disenfranchised, on the oppressed. Like, that is very clear in the gospel. And so when Mordecai comes to Esther, and she sort of thinks that she's, or he he makes it clear that she's not going to escape, sort of, what God's chosen people are facing, I feel like that when I was in that, like, danger, danger of the, you know, alligator, I felt like God was like, listen, if, if God's people are hurting, we're all hurting. And if we all saw that as our calling, as our call, um, and that was not that was not anticipated. That's not what I was expecting for it to be the main crux of the message. But that's what I feel like God really brought forward. So I wanted that to be kind of the the emotive yeah. moment. Without like again, it's kind of nice when you get to play the role of a prophet because these are this is not my community. I'm not the pastor here, so I don't know anyone's story. Sure. So sometimes as pastors, we will hold back. Because we know that we've had one conversation that week, and we're like, this person's going to think we're right. talking about That's this. We're right. not talking yes. about this. This person's yeah. going to think this is about them. <laughs> then I'm going to use my platform to call them out, which we do not do. Pastors don't do that, just so you know. But when I come and invite it into a community, I do feel like God gives me stronger mm. words because yeah. everyone yeah. can receive them as from the as from the Lord in the sense of the Scripture, not as from me as your person that you see all day long or you know all week long. So, yeah. well, I, l- I love that. Alligator or crocodile? Which is it? <laughs> it's an okay, alligator. So There's no alligator. crocodiles okay. in the North America, right? Uh, so here, here's uh, here's my uh, one dad joke per episode. Are you guys <laughs> okay, ready? I love it. I, I saw a it. meme a couple weeks ago that says the way you can tell if there's an alligator or crocodile talking to you is if it tells you see you later or after a while. <laughs> I actually thought that was. I, I, I thought you were going to give us something serious. I, 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 like, I said like, it was I, a dad joke. Okay? I'm super <laughs> disappointed because I thought it was going to help me keep them straight. Oh, like I was looking for. We'll just like, say a goodbye to it, and then so, and then so which, if it says see you later, so which one after did this one say? Funny. I was saying goodbye to that thing. I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, I have never seen 
a living creature that close that up is enormous. in the wild that I mean, was I would, going to kill somebody. I would be immediately sweating. Yeah, yeah I can't yeah, imagine. Yeah. It was not what I expected. I wish, and I didn't have a phone. My, my kids were yeah. like, why didn't you take a picture? Of course, I yeah, was like, yeah. Sherman Illustration. That's right, that's right, that's <laughs> but I had no phone. So I was like, okay, God just wants me to be in this and experience this. And yeah, so. Yeah. Well, what, what I loved about it was the, that picture of you after you were in safety. Yeah. You, know, you didn't have to care anymore, right? Your yeah. life wasn't under threat yeah. anymore. And yet you you described that you were just jumping up and down. You became a, what you call it, a crocodile evangelist. Excuse me, sir, with your two young children on bikes riding That's along right. the margin of right where this, because he was lurking, I mean, yeah. truly lurking. Yeah. And I thought about Mordecai, I really did. Like, he knows what's coming. He understands what it means. Yes. And I think about like laws that are passed when nobody understands what they mean. Yeah. And he had he knew what was coming, yeah. and he was so passionate about what was coming, and how easy it is to just disregard that. Like we just you know so that yeah that was the that was the moment. And it is it's an alligator. I don't think there's crocodiles in North okay, America. Alligator. Well, so what it struck me. Do was not email us. Yeah, that's right. We don't <laughs> care. It's not the that's not the point of the podcast. <laughs> Tell us that'd be tell us less. Yeah, tell so, us a uh, lot less. <laughs> so, you, but what struck me on that is when you said that, and, and you talked about, I got this picture, and I think it was Eugene Peterson who, who defined love in this simple way that's really been profound for me. He said, "Love in its most basic fashion is caring about what the other person cares about." Mm. And I might say, well, "Well, I don't really care about that." Well, that's the point, yeah. right? Mm. If I if I'm caring about something that I already care about, as Jesus says, if I love those who already love me, mm -hmm. what what credit is that, yeah. right? But when I care about something that I don't naturally care about, yeah. but I care about it because someone else cares about it, mm -hmm. that's love. I love that. And and I I just love that picture of you after the alligator. You didn't have to care. Yeah. But you cared for the other's sake. Mm. Uh, and, and, and what, what an exact picture of what you challenged us to in this world. I ran back that way. Like it was about, it was like tw whatever, 25 minutes later. And I'm like, is somebody going to warn me about this thing? Yeah. But when I got back, it was gone. <laughs> and there was a security like truck in that spot. But it w I was interested to see, is it possible that the danger message is going to be passed all the way so that 25 minutes later, I'm still going to receive the danger message that all started with this one dude on a bike, you yeah, know? Yeah. So it wasn't, it, that didn't happen, yeah. but. Yeah. Those are the illustrations that we try to manufacture as preachers. <laughs> if only. <laughs> if only. Yeah. Well, what is the main takeaway you want people to have with this sermon? If you could put it in a nutshell, what do you want people to get out of hearing yeah, this message? Um, yeah, it's like you really wish you had this perfect phrase. Um, we pray it at the end. I think that understanding. But I think that this, it's really sticking with me, especially in the season, like I said, in the message where no one's plan. Like, I read a tweet last week that was like, I never should have gotten up for New Year's Eve if I knew what 2020 was going to bring. <laughs> I never would have stayed up. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, nobody's living in their plan. And so I think that's just this powerful idea that God has placed me exactly where mm. I'm supposed to be. Like, yeah. what does that look like to, to really embody that every day? I think that that's really the takeaway because uh, it kind of, it, it's that interplay between God's sovereignty and the human choice to be part of his purposes. Um, so that's, I think that would be my encouragement. Great. Awesome. Yeah. Any last comments you have for people listening at home? Read the book, please. Please go read Esther. It's yeah. a great book. Look for some other little, little like sort of 
things in there and uh, maybe read it with your family. Lots of cool, lots of cool stuff in it. Awesome. Well, that's our time for this episode of our podcast. Thank you for listening and a huge thank you to our guest, Nicole Eunice, for for being here with us. Join us next time when we ask our pastors, speakers, and those minister to us and with us to tell us more. Goodbye. See you later, alligator. After a while, crocodile. (laughs) Oh, gosh, that was so bad. (laughs) 